0: So I had a little bit of time on my hands and I threw myself into photography. After I'd had my daughter, I very much wanted to, you know, take those beautiful photos. And I had that typical struggle of trying to figure it out. Um, but when I had that time on my hands, that's exactly what I did. And when we came back to Australia, I kind of had that taste of not working <laughs> and or I'd worked from home. And I was like, you know what, this is a little bit nicer than going into a job every day, you know, especially as a parent, having that flexibility. So combined with my photography, people started asking me about it. I was doing sessions for other people. So my first foray into business was actually running a photography business.
1: Welcome to the Digital Nomad Cafe podcast, the show where we discuss what it takes to create a sustainable long-term online business in today's fast-moving environment. We talk with industry experts and freelancers alike to find out what it takes to build and manage a location-independent business. Hello, welcome back. Thank you for joining me today. My guest is Louise Glendon from clicklovegrow.com. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about how Louise has managed to build a large Facebook community. We're going to talk about how her website has been able to sell the same online course for seven years. And she specializes in teaching women how to take photos of their kids and travels and everyday adventures like professionals. But really what we dig into in this episode is topics of Facebook ads, and the importance of having lead magnets for your business, as well as how having a Facebook group can really help because people become advocates for your brand. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure to leave us a rating and a review, subscribe, and hit me up on Instagram if you want to talk. Louise, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you so much for having me, Adam. I'm excited to chat.
1: So Louise, you're joining us all the way from Adelaide in Australia.
0: Yes, I am
1: how's that How's that going in these current times?
0: yeah, it's not too bad to be honest. We haven't had very many cases, and I was saying to you just before our kids have gone back to school, so that's a big relief um but yeah, you know, just stressful times, worrying about the economy and uh the community, but very grateful to be online at this point in time
1: for sure, and I mean, there's definitely gonna be. A big rise in, um, well, I would hope, in the willingness to allow um, people to work remote and also in the interest for people to build online businesses and to, um, you know, look to building online revenue streams. Absolutely. Yep. So Louise, you over a Click Love Grow, so you offer online. Uh, I'm saying it slowly because my <laughs> accent. I'll make I'll make it sound like a. Um, so you offer online photography courses. Um, yes. So can you tell us a little bit more about how this came to be?
0: Yeah, totally. So uh, our business is Click Love Grow, and we offer online photography courses to women and mums who basically just want to take great photos of their kids. Um, It came about because I was originally in the military. So I joined the Air Force in Australia when I was 18. I went to the military academy and that was pretty much my career. I was, you know, a lot of fun with it, um, travelled a lot, was involved in lots of cool operations, but I actually ended up becoming a mum quite young. Uh, and so I had my first daughter, I was 23, 24, which was pretty young. I didn't know anyone else with kids and that definitely impacted my military career. Um, the military were great about it. I worked part time and I didn't deploy anymore, but it definitely gave me this situation where I couldn't be the mom I wanted to be and have the career progression and level of success I wanted as kind of a high achiever. Um so it came about that um, my husband, who was also military, we posted to the US and uh, he did a training course over there with the US Navy. And so I had a little bit of time on my hands and I threw myself into photography. Um, after I'd had my daughter, I very much wanted to, you know, take those beautiful photos and I had that typical struggle of trying to figure it out. Um, but when I had that time on my hands, that's exactly what I did. And when we came back to Australia, um, I kind of had that taste of not working <laughs> and or I'd worked from home. And I was like, you know what, this is a little bit nicer than going into a job every day, you know, especially as a parent, having that flexibility. Um, So combined with my photography, people started asking me about it. I was doing sessions for other people. So my first foray into business was actually running a photography business here uh, in Australia. And I set up, I started, you know, with kids and families. I ended up doing niching in boudoir. I don't know if you've heard of boudoir photography.
1: I'm not too familiar with it I'm sure I, I probably should have googled it beforehand
0: Well it's it's women in their lingerie that's why I'm laughing it was Oh it, sorry it, yeah yeah,
1: yeah. I, I, I used to work with a, a merchant who sold that sort of stuff. It's like uh, 1940s, 50s kind of.
0: Yeah, the pin-up style. Yeah, pin-up so style. Pin-up a style. modern yeah, yeah. take on that. And it was a really interesting jump, you know, going from military to photographing women in their lingerie. But it was, it was a really cool business. Um, I really loved it. But we had spent our whole, you know, married life traveling in the military. You always move every, you know, 18 months to a couple of years. And we had loved living in the States we wanted to get back to living in the U.S. and so as I was studying marketing to grow my location-based business my photography I learned about online marketing and initially it was I wanted to use online marketing to grow you know my photography business um but because we wanted to move overseas it was then that I was like you know what I see these people running online courses um that's when i really started to look for an opportunity where i could take my skill sets and take them online
1: i mean that's challenging for anybody you know to take a business from (laughs) like like you're saying like essentially location based you have a studio you have a, a place where people come um you know maybe you rent it maybe it's in your own house um whatever that is and then you're trying to take this online so you know and you were pursuing these skills to help to essentially bring people to that business but um you know, you wanted to take it online. You mentioned you were looking up, so you obviously seen that there were some people who were doing courses or or selling services online that that was working for you. So, um... Did you take a course at that time or did you just kind of... I did. So
0: I took an online course, which was about online marketing. And, you know, I very specifically did it for my photography business. It wasn't on my radar. One of the great things that happened when I took that uh, marketing course, so that was back in, I'm going to say 2012, 2013, where I was living at the time in Adelaide, there was an amazing group of women that actually got together in person and we'd go out to a pub for dinner. You know all the women taking this course, um, and it was it's a big international course, but people had their little chapters. And so I met these women that were running online courses, and it was completely fascinating but it was brilliant because I could actually see someone doing it. Um, so when we started to think about moving overseas, I'd also become aware that a location-based service business wasn't scalable potentially in the way that I would have liked it to be, you know, without hiring staff and um, and that kind of thing. But you're always limited in how many clients you can take. And that really interested me as well. So I started looking about and I thought to myself, okay, so there's a lot in the in the space at the time, there were a lot of photography workshops, you know, teaching how to shoot weddings or how to grow your business or how to shoot very specific niches. But if I had a friend come to me and say, Lou, I just want better photos of my kids. I have this camera. I don't know how to use it. I didn't feel like there was anywhere online. I could say, you know what, just go to this website. It'll start you at the very beginning. You know that'll get you sorted, and so that to me was like, okay, that's what I'm going to create. I feel like that's missing in the market, um, and it was very much a separate business. It wasn't. It was taking the skill sets that I had, and I guess um, coming from military background, I'd spent a lot of time, you know, learning how to be a trainer, taking information, you know, dissecting it and, and making it relevant um, in teaching people. So that helped as well. But yeah, it was. That was kind of the jump in looking for the opportunity there.
1: Yeah, I mean, like you're saying, they had transferable skills that you could take from your old career. Um, and, and no doubt they were highly highly refined, um, you know, when you're coming from a military background and then applying them to um, this online business. But you know, something important that you touched on there was, that, you know, you found a niche in the market, that there was, there, there was an opportunity there where you didn't feel like people were serving it well. And you were, you were able to then, you know, carve out a niche and make some space for yourself to uh you know enter the market so i mean when you got started so like when you seen that okay there's an opportunity here you you know did it take you long to build out a course did you (laughs) like launch a minimum viable product like what did that look like did you start building a community first because there's a lot of things when you see a polished product it, it you know it's easy to look at it and go um you know, like, okay, there it is and that works. But when you actually are at the beginning and you have like this idea, it's you don't have a course, you don't have a following, like that's where it's cha- most challenging for people.
0: Absolutely, yeah. And it feels really overwhelming when you look at a finished product and think, oh, you know, so much work and effort, but it definitely is one step at a time. So the way that I started, I knew I I started a blog, you know, in about the middle of the year and I'd put out a blog post about once every six weeks. It was very slow to begin with, but as I was getting, you know, um, more excited about the idea, I guess, and and really wanting to move online, I decided I'm going to need a deadline. So I hired a life slash business coach I think for about a, an eight week period, and I was like, right, this is my goal. I want to sit down with you, and I just want you to help uh, hold me accountable to map this out. So that was really helpful, you know, kind of setting that deadline for myself. So we, I launched the course, and I just want to say this in terms of community, I was building a list a little bit. I probably maybe had a hundred people on my list, and I have a big family. I'm from Tasmania, so it was probably half of them. But as a military person, um, we move a lot. And so you end up in a lot of communities and you just meet a lot of people, probably people that travel a lot are exactly the same, right? You meet a lot of people. And so I guess I had a pretty big network in terms of friends and and just people I knew on Facebook. So we launched it at the end of the year over the Christmas period. And I think Sold about 128 in our first round. Um, So that was really fantastic because it kind of validated the messaging. I think it really resonated with people as as something that they wanted to learn. And then I did the um, madly writing it week by week (laughs) as it was due. Um, So that was fun. But I think that is a great way to do it. You know, I had the course structure mapped out. We put it out there, we sold it, and then I developed it and, you know, refined it as it was delivered. And to be honest, in seven years, I've only updated the course materials once, and I didn't really update them. I just re-recorded them and uh, put them into a new format so they looked a little bit more professional. But yeah, so that was the, that's the other thing that I think is great about an online, you know, asset is you do the work, you know, in developing it and then, it's created you can spend a lot more time on the other aspects of your business
1: yeah building the building the groups and the engagement and the community because i mean like it's it's a real i mean it's a niche that people are passionate about in terms of their kids you know like i mean who's yes. you know who doesn't love their kid you go on my phone it's just thousands of photos of my daughter so like so, so to teach people how to take really good photos of their kids, and then people are going to be proud of that, and they're going to want to share those pictures with the group and the other people who've taken the course, and and that helps to build that community and also to push people to to want to be better at it. So, um, you know, have you found managing? You know, your Facebook group is over twenty seven thousand people in it. Like, did, 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 I mean, I imagine. I mean, we can't not talk about that. Like, is is that very difficult to manage, or does is it kind of self? you know, as in like people kind of user generated, you know, sort of stuff where they ask questions and they reply and they kind of, for the most part, engage with each other. Like, what does that look like?
0: So um, it is a really highly engaged group. And to be honest, if we didn't go in there, I think it would be a pretty highly engaged group. But uh, the problem can be when we take, you know, our foot off the pedal a little bit or we, we get distracted, they can forget who I even am. Um, so it does take a little bit of effort. I have a fantastic moderator team, so members of our community that have offered to help, especially in the different time zones, uh, to make sure, you know, nothing dramatic happens while we're all asleep. Um, but we have, as it's grown larger, we have implemented a um, approved to post uh with our facebook group. So I think that really helps keep things on track. So I just I have a couple of different communities. So our big 27,000 member group, uh it's all women uh that you know essentially are interested in photography. I think the f- the first thing is just to make it a really welcoming place for beginners and What I know exists out there is a lot of photography groups with things that people don't like, you know, harsh criticism and people that post really amazing photos and other people feel overwhelmed or like they're not good enough so they're too scared to post. So I took those things from other communities and and flipped them in my community to make it feel like a safe place for people that are my ideal client, you know, because we have a beginner course as our front end product. Um, And so I just try and do things. We share our blog content in there. Um, I do a lot of things, like you said, getting people to post their own photos. I do critiquing. I try and do videos. But it ebbs and flows. It's really hard to maintain a really high level of energy for those kind of marketing activities. So I have my team. I have a content, you know, portion of my team who, are, who create all our blog posts and things, I do need to show up on video. But when we do live launches, that's where I'll really go. And we might do a five-day challenge. I'll do a live video every day. I'll do some teaching. I'll really, you know, raise the awareness and, and get the energy high before we go into a launch or offering a product. Um, and then when we're not in a live launch sequence, I just try and, you know, I try and keep it high. Um, So that's our free group. When students come and take our course, we then have grads community. So they graduate from our course. We call it the CLG grads. And we really make a lot of effort to nurture that community because I would say most of our marketing effort is on our front end course. And that would bring in about 40% of our revenue. And it's about 90% of our ad spend is focused on that first course. The back end sales, uh, which have no cost of acquisition in terms of, you know, um, Acquiring leads and students, they are our existing community buying into other programs, and that makes up about sixty percent of our revenue. So it's really important that we nurture the community of students after they've taken our courses, so that they stay really engaged and really interested in our um, subsequent offers.
1: Yeah. So is that like kind of more advanced training programs that you put out, or is it that you're recommending um, other other programs as an affiliate?
0: No. So we don't do any affiliate. I don't know. I've just it's I. I think it's a little control aspect (laughs) of my brand and my business. We don't do any affiliate. We have... So we have our beginner course, which is an eight-week introductory course. Then we have an advanced course, which is a four-month course. It only runs twice a year, um, and we create a lot of, um, you know, we we feature a lot of our students who've taken that course, you know, putting them up as being inspirations and create a lot of interest in that program. So it sells out really quickly each time we run it, which is fantastic. And recently we've introduced some kind of hands-on creative workshops that are smaller; they're lower cost. But they exist so that people stay engaged in our community. And this is another thing coming back to really listening to what people want. Um, I was always very fixed on, okay, create one product, you know, have one focus for your business, make the messaging really strong. But of course, after people take that, they're like, what's next?
1: You know, what's next? What's the upsell? Where, where, where's the next score? Well, not even what's the upsell, but like, they, they took that, they enjoyed it. Have you got something else for me? Like, you know, what exactly. can I do next? Because they want to, it's almost like gaming. They want to level up. They want to get the badges, you know? Like, what's 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 the next thing for me to accomplish? Because I really like that and I learned a lot, you know? So so if you don't, yeah, essentially, if you don't create it, then they're going to go and look somewhere else for it, you well, know? Oh, <laughs> and this is
0: exactly what I was going to say. So I had a lot of resistance around creating different products because, you know, I, I had it in my head about this consistency model. But... um there were, there were people, you know, I've made friends with lots of our students. They're like, Lou, we want to keep learning with you, but you don't have these programs. We're literally going to your competitor and spending money because we can't spend it with you. (laughs) I'm like, ding, 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 ding. Okay. It's time to pay attention. Um, And yeah, so we've implemented that and it's, it's been exciting because having the same course for seven years, I don't want to say it can get boring. But it's fun to have something new to to work on and and create um, in our business, which has been great.
1: Yeah, it helps keep things exciting for you because, I mean, it's amazing that you have, you know, you built a course seven years ago and only had to upgrade it once. It just, you know, to still be able to sell that no problem as your front end product. Like that's like, that is just internet marketing perfection right there, you know?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think I picked a skill that doesn't, like it's a it's a tangible skill that doesn't necessarily like it's it's not trend based, I guess.
1: No, absolutely. It's um, you know, it, it's one of those niches. I mean, people are always going to have babies, you know. Yes, so that's <laughs> it's, it's like people are just going to keep having babies, so there's always going to be potential new clients for that business, you know. So and a potential first time clients for that business. So it's, I mean, you know, it does hit the sweet spot in that regard, and um, you know, offering these and creating these courses. I guess, like, you know, you, you kind of. You have to take a step back there and kind of get out of your own way in terms of like you know what you thought was the right way to go about it, but then you realize by listening to your community. I think this is a very important thing for people to hear. You know, by listening and gaining the feedback, uh, you you realize that actually the best way for the business to pivot because you know you you gave numbers there to forty percent of revenue comes from ninety percent or uses ninety percent of the ad spend, but then with these people who've already gone through that who were part of that initial, you know, they actually. Bring in sixty percent of the revenue for ten percent to spend at the at the back end. So the front end product is more expensive to sell. You know, it's um, you know, you're going to struggle with things like ad fatigue and everything else. But with these back end products, these people already know, like and trust you. They're an engaged community, um, and yeah, it's just going to be more easy to sell. Like you're saying, creative workshops, advanced uh, workshops for these people.
0: It's true and look it would be really difficult because our front end offer it's a you know relatively low cost product where uh you know our ideal client is a stay at home mom or someone who's on maternity leave so we're not selling high ticket really expensive programs and so it would be very difficult to scale once you start implementing ads and different strategies it would be really hard to scale profitably with a low cost offer um so that's why it's been really important I guess over time that we build out those those other backend offers. Um, And again, I don't think it's something that you can necessarily say, like launch from the very beginning. It's a lot of testing and adjusting,
1: kind of adapting as you go. And listening, like you're saying, listening to what people are saying and remaining consistent as well in your in your marketing and your message and building the communities um you know because people can add their friends in the groups oh, um, totally. that all helps, you know yeah. and, and that's that's a cool part of it all too isn't it you know where they, people can recommend it and um tag you on instagram and everything so 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 i guess what what has helped you know overall i, I guess like, i mean we we spoke now about the groups and we spoke about um the, the the ad side of things like what else has helped you with regards to growing and um, this business and growing and gaining awareness for your brand
0: yeah i think one of the things is that we really pride ourselves on the level of commitment to our community we're definitely not just selling a course emailing it and forgetting about it we really do have a strong community and so that ties into the level of support that we provide when they're coming through the course you know we have um instructor teams we have one-on-one support uh to to make sure that we get really strong results basically and we get fantastic testimonials and, and build a really strong loyalty um, to our brand. And then the other thing we do is we use our student content as, as our, part of our own content strategy for consistent storytelling. So we're always sharing the successes of our students. We're sharing their images, telling their stories, asking them questions. And I think by doing that, um, again, people feel really connected to the brand. They form great relationships with each other. Um, but it just means that we're consistent using by, by using um, student images sorry we're consistently showing that social proof and also you know it's we we're not saying here's a testimonial you know Jane said oh COG is great we're literally showing you know through the content what people are achieving and so I think that has been a big part of it um and then I guess on the other side is I you know, I'm totally a digital marketing nerd. I love it. (laughs) So these are all things I didn't know about uh, in my business to start with, but email marketing, the different, um, you know, campaigns that you can set up. Moving to Evergreen, I resisted it so badly, but it has made a really big difference in our business.
1: How do you, um, sorry, what do you mean Evergreen moving?
0: So we, I guess when I launched, when I first started back in the day, um, it was all about the big launches and we would launch for eight weeks, which in these days sounds insane, right? To open cart for eight weeks, <laughs> but that's how we used to do it. And um, Facebook had a lot of organic reach. I could work with Uh, influencers and they would post like one post on Facebook and the sales would just come rushing in Um, but it doesn't really work like that as much anymore because we don't have that organic style reach Um, so I used to you know, as the business changed and developed, I moved to a model of list building. So I would say spend a couple of months building my list, spending money on leads, nurturing them, and then going straight into a launch. But that meant that people had to wait sometimes like two to three months before they were even offered a product. And if they were really interested, they'd probably go somewhere else by that point. So, you know, I resisted it for a long time because launches really worked well for us. We had great conversions and, you know, that's where we'd make a lot of our revenue. Um, but it was very much a, you know, we'd make a lot of money on our launches and then we wouldn't make anything for, you know, the next few months. Couple of, that of weeks, feast a and month, famine. yeah. Yeah, so switching to Evergreen just made, you know, it was I had a lot of mental resistance to it, but when we implemented it, it just made so much more sense because you know people could come in if they were ready to buy, they had the opportunity to do so. If they weren't, they went through a lot of nurturing campaigns and then they'd be offered subsequent opportunities to buy. Um, so it was a real mindset shift for me, but it meant that I was getting a better and a faster return on ad spend um, than I was, you know, in the build list, build audience you know, just putting money into leads and then just hoping when we got to launch time that we would recoup that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've seen, it's it's changed massively over the last while. I get what you mean now by evergreen. Sorry, I thought, because you touched on email market and I thought that maybe oh. there was some software <laughs> that I wasn't aware of. Um, but oh, I, I get what you mean now. You had an evergreen funnel running. So like, you know, it's, uh, it, yeah, I mean, it can run at all times and it's not related. Yes. To it once sorry, I just
0: launch. launched into like a huge <laughs>
1: It's all all good. It's just for, for, um, I guess some people maybe don't know, but you gave a great explanation for it. And it's, uh, like how launches are done has changed now massively. You know, you can, you can see that carts only open for a couple of days. There's a lot of, um, you know, when when you're saying about working with influencers, often what people will do now before they launch a course is they'll team up with a, a whole bunch of influencers or bloggers and they'll, you know, jump on, they'll do videos, they'll do Facebook lives, they'll do all this kind of pre-sale work and then yes. boom, card opens for like three days or something and, and everybody... Um, you know, you look at James Wedmore, all these Amy Porterfield, they all you know all the big, the big names, you know, the superstars <laughs> all all these people. but that's what they do, and then the market kind of follows suit in in a lot of ways. Um, you know, and Facebook, um, what do you call it? with the Facebook Messenger uh, seems to be working really well for people as well, sending people into these chat flows. So I, I, I'd, I'd love to just touch a little bit on, you know, you, you mentioned there a lot about Facebook ads and and about, um, you know, getting people in initially. So can you talk to me a little bit about like, do you use lead magnets? Would it be start a conversation like a messenger ad? Like what sort of ads ha- have worked, you know, for you, um, or that you see working now? Even more importantly.
0: Yeah, So we do have a, so we have a couple of core lead magnets and again, we've been using them for a long time and I guess I'm in the, I don't want to break it because (laughs) I don't want to touch it in case I break it. Um so our main two lead magnets that we um use are a kids photography guide because again our our target audience is people who want to take better photos of their kids and then our other one is a manual settings cheat sheet. So at that point we're targeting people who are already problem aware, they already know that they Uh, would like to improve their photography, maybe they've tried and struggled a little bit. So this one appeals to them. So there are two just very, you know, PDF guides, traditional opt-in, bring them into the funnel. We also have a five-day mini photography course, uh, which is on the banner of our website. And we do promote ads to that as well. But what I find is that when our sales come through, and this is something as well, I'm really big on sales data analysis. So, you know, that sounds fancy, but it's not, it's just looking at your sales and then think saying, where did they come in? How long have they been with us? What content did they consume before they decided to buy? Um, So what I usually find is that because we do a lot of retargeting, you know, someone might download the kids photography guide and then they'll join the mini course and then they might participate in some other content and then they, you know, Get um, trigger one of the offers and then they purchase after a period of time. So I think with opt-ins for me, I've realized it kind of has that layered effect so that you can have a few different touch points for people to, um, you know, see what you do and consume your content to build a relationship.
1: And to come into your funnel and those initial lead magnets, they are free. Uh, you're not, it's not, it's not a tripwire. Like it's not like, you know, $1 to get this, like, cause I know some people have kind of moved to this. You know, you know it's one dollar or ten dollars because they want to get somebody to spend money right from the get go. Um, but you're, you're.
0: Yeah, so I have experimented with that, and so we had, um, we trialed for I did it for about eighteen months, and to be honest, it worked really well in terms of the people that purchased. You know, say like a seventeen dollar offer we had really great conversions into our main product. And then someone said one day, well, why don't you just start offering the main product on the thank you page? And we got the same conversions of people buying the full product as we did the $17 product. So I think with all of these things, it's absolutely worth testing for your particular market um, and just seeing what works and what doesn't work. And you know, sometimes with strategies, there's lots of things you could do, but sometimes keeping it simple is kind of the easiest as well especially if you have kids and you don't have a lot
1: of time to... yeah for, for sure because I mean you work you work from home and have kids and you know you're and you know you have this online business and you know it's it's a big community and um lots lots of members and like there's lots of um moving parts I don't want to make make it sound scary yeah there's lots of moving parts but also like you know there's elements of responsibility there uh, as well you know so that's it's important. So how do you, how do you find managing that? You know, like, do you you want to dive into that a little bit?
0: Yeah, Uh, totally. Let's do it. So I look, I I absolutely have a team who I love and who make my life easier and I would not be able to do it without them. And again, I think a team sounds scary when you start out, but a team can literally be starting out with someone working an hour a week for you, you know, to help out, to assist with things. And then it grows from there. So, um, One of the women who works the most hours for me, she started out, you know, when I first started, I said, hey, I'm doing this thing. Do you want to just help me out a little bit? Um, And she now works 35 hours a week. And uh, so she does our content and oversees our other team members. Um, I definitely have admin support. So once you get to a certain scale and a certain, um, you know, level of quantity, going into your inbox can cause a little bit of anxiety. For sure. (laughs) So I have an amazing VA who does our admin support, who manages all our um, payment plans because that's obviously a very fiddly um, job once you start having high-volume people on payment plans and just managing all of that Um, and, you know, back-end like email automation stuff. And then the rest of my team are instructors and so they're all past students who are also mums and they also work from home. So we have our team located remotely. They're all amazing group of women um who definitely support me and um yeah yes (laughs) yes <laughs> that's it But so that's how we operate
1: yeah I love what you're, what you're saying though you know it's for people to you know, don't get overwhelmed because a lot of people can start off with this magical idea that there's a unicorn VA out there that can do everything for them and it doesn't exist and you're better to hire specialists if you can uh, and like you're saying totally. just for a few hours a week you know if you want somebody to help you with your social you know just find that one person and, and then you know somebody else for the admin or somebody else for uh, the video but you know don't be trying to find the one person who can do it all because often they don't exist and if they do they charge a bloody lot so when um, you're when you're starting <laughs> out because there are people who can do it all you know but they'll charge Absolutely. you, you know, a lot more than maybe a starting uh, business can afford so and and like you're saying it's it's these tasks that you know take up a lot of time but they don't actually you know let's say drive the business forward or drive the revenue those are the first ones to try and um you know pass off and, and train somebody in to do and. Um, maybe they can do it better than you, you know, that's something people have to admit to too, you know, like sometimes, you know, those people might be better at it than you, but people have sometimes a control issue and a reluctance to relinquish <laughs> um, their, yeah, because the, essentially the person maybe, <laughs> yeah, for sure, because the person is interacting as you and you're, you're cautious because it's your business and you're essentially giving somebody else permission to speak as you or on behalf of you. And especially when you're working remote, you know, some people can, a little bit less now, but, you know, maybe some people can just be a little bit more hesitant to, to relinquish that control. It sounds like you've built a good team. So where would you go yourself like to find um, uh, virtual help?
0: <laughs> well, we, I was just having this conversation with a, a group of friends yesterday. And to be honest, I think referrals at the moment is kind of the ideal place. So asking about asking around in your networks. Um, who's worked with people for specific type jobs. I find Upwork to be really great. I've found some really great contractors on there for, you know, managing different tasks. One thing I did want to say, especially when it comes to admin support, you're always better off paying someone a higher rate who is more efficient and can get things done within a shorter time period than going super cheap. I know that can be a temptation, but I've definitely learned that lesson. Um, because you do want to have the confidence that someone is not going to, um, you know, like be always needing support or getting things done really slowly when you can hire someone who can just get in, do it really quickly and you, you'll pay less in the long run, I think is good advice. Yeah. Um,
1: it costs you more in the long run. Yeah, bad hires, you know, because in, like, in, in terms of time and <laughs> stress and possible mistakes. So, um, look, so look, I, you know, this kind of brings us now towards the end of the episode. Um, you know, it's been really great to chat with you, Louise. And, you know, I look forward to um, sharing this with our listeners and letting everybody tune in and hear it. So, you know, if people wanted to get in touch with you and, you know, engage with you and your brand, where would they go to find you?
0: Yeah, I'd love for you to check us out So at clicklovegrow.com. On the front page there, we have our free mini photography course. So whether you have a DSLR or even an iPhone, there's some really fantastic uh, to help you take better photos. uh, On Instagram, we're clicklovegrow and same on Facebook. And if you do go to our socials, you'll just see that we do share a lot of beautiful, inspiring uh, photography taken by our students
1: lovely so i'll make sure to link to everything in the show notes pretty sure you can click out of spotify now as well if you're listening there so thank you Louisa. appreciate it and i wish you all the best with your business beautiful thanks so much for having me adam thank you for listening to the digital nomad cafe podcast head over to the website to access the resources and links mentioned in today's episode at digitalnomadcafe.com